0: Grief is a natural emotion that comes with experiencing loss, whether it's the death of a loved one, the end of a marriage, or the loss of a dream. It can be difficult to navigate grief and find ways to move forward after such an event. In episode number 72, I am going to be sharing some helpful strategies that can help you cope and move forward. I will share some of my own journey and how I discovered a biblical blueprint to help me move forward through my pain and experience healing and peace. It's called Navigating Grief, Three Keys to Moving Forward After Loss, and Tips to Help Others. And it's actually a message that I just shared at my home church, the Gathering Church of St. Petersburg, Florida. It's loaded with great content that you can begin to implement today, and I also give practical tips on how you can walk alongside someone in their own grieving journey. Now just a heads up, the audio from this recording isn't as clear as it normally is for my podcast. However, it doesn't diminish from the helpful content. I just wanted you to be aware of that. And I pray that this blesses you today. And as a special bonus, I have a free resource that I put together as a handout to go along with this episode. Now, it goes into way more detail than I share in my live teaching at my church. And so to get the free handout, all you have to do is to go to my website, and that's lauriksnider.com forward slash resources, and you don't have to put any information All you have to do is click the download button. It's three pages of helpful and practical information. And again, that's LoriKSnyder.com forward slash resources. And I'll have all this in the show notes. I just ask two things of you. Please share this podcast episode with a friend or a loved one to help them find hope and healing in their own grieving journey. And then two, please take five minutes at the end of this episode to go subscribe and leave a written review on Apple Podcasts. It only takes a few minutes. This helps others become more aware of these life enhancing messages to help them thrive in all aspects of life. I so appreciate that. And thank you in advance for doing that. It really does mean a lot. Grief can be very overwhelming and it's very personal And it can leave you feeling lost and alone and that's why this message is so important and so i just thank you in advance for listening and for sharing this here we go welcome to created to thrive i'm your host Lori snyder if you desire a deeper connection with god want to know your value and purpose then you my friend are in the right place i will teach god's word in a simple and practical way to equip and empower you to become who he created you to be because you were created to thrive. Well, first of all, I am so humbled and honored to be here, and I just want to thank Pastor E for, first of all, your vulnerability and your willingness to go where many don't want to go, into the tough emotions, and recognize it's part of our faith journey, because spiritual growth and emotional wellness, mental health, they're all part, just as our physical body, They're all part of our wholeness. And so I just want to thank you for going there because I wish we would have learned some of these things very early on. It would have saved us a lot of grief. And I am talking about grief today, but I want to talk about the process of moving through grief. And I'm going to use some of my story, share what I feel is kind of a biblical, is really the biblical blueprint for walking through grief. And I'm going to use scripture. And then I'm also going to share with you, how do you walk through someone who is experiencing grief, like we just heard about Gail in the passing of her husband, how do we come along and support that person as a community, and so I want to give you some practical things as well. Uh, in my Created to Thrive podcast, it is all about helping people grow in a deeper, more intimate personal relationship with the Lord, with Father God. Jesus' the Son, and Holy Spirit? And then how do we unlock our true potential of who he says we are in him? And then how do we impact our life as well as the lives that are in our sphere of influence in a very practical way? And so grieving is not something that we like to even talk about. Any sense of loss that we have A lot of times we want to keep it to ourselves, and that was me for many many years i did not know how to give language to my emotions and i did not grow up in the church and it wasn't until after fred and i were married that we both came to a saving relationship with jesus and it's not like we learned skills on how to process our emotions and a lot of times we were taught that we weren't in faith if we were being honest with our emotions. So I'm going to use scripture to show you how Jesus, who is our model, how did he walk through grieving, sorrow, and loss? And I just wanna first of all say, grieving is part of our human experience, and it's very personal, and it looks different for each person. And there's different levels of loss and grief. You know, we have the regular type of loss or grieving, such as moving, jobs or career losses, financial hardship, a betrayal of a friend or any relationship, infertility. Those are just a few. And then we can go into the extreme levels of grief or loss, such as the the death of a loved one, a divorce, a miscarriage. And especially given what we've gone through as a whole world the last two years, everyone has been touched by loss and grief. And so we need to, first of all, be honest with where we're at, and then how do we heal so we can move forward into all that God has for us? So part of my story is... Um, both Fred and I, we wore smiles to cover up our brokenness. Like I said, we became new believers after we were married, and we didn't understand how to navigate the church world. You know, we would come and we would listen to messages about don't sin, don't do this, and it really was not a safe place for us to share what we were experiencing or what we had been through in our past and so, again, I just want to say thank you to Pastor E for being vulnerable to go there. And for this is a safe place where you can come and share openly in a very safe way. So Fred and I looked the part. We did the part. We served. Everything looked great on the outside until one day it didn't. Seventeen years ago, we separated and filed for divorce. We were done living a lie. We had moved 11 times in our first 13 years of marriage, living in five states. I didn't recognize what loss was or to even grieve. I just thought that was just normal. It was part of my story. And I didn't recognize. I knew I had dread of the future. But I didn't know how to give language to that, and it was just part of something I just sucked up and did and moved forward. Dealt with infertility for four years, and then we did have um, twin sons. We have 20-year-old 20, 20 twin boys uh, currently, and, but I went through infertility for four years. And going through that, after I had uh, given birth, I, we moved again when they were eight months old, and I gave up my professional sales career to be a stay-at-home mom. So a lot of transitions in life had led up to the crisis point of we were just done. We didn't know how to continue anymore. That was the turning point for my life. Our boys were, we had just moved to Grand Rapids, Michigan. Our boys were three years old and I came to the end of myself and I said, Lord, I can't do this anymore. I don't know how to live and go through this. I was bound by fear, control. I was passive aggressive, and I was all I knew were I was either happy, sad, or mad, frustrated. That was a common word for me. I'm just so frustrated. Can you relate? I didn't know how to understand, I feel rejected, I feel betrayed, I feel lonely, I feel hurt. I didn't know how to give language to that. When we separated, I knew I needed help. I was a very strong, independent person, but not anymore. I cried out to God and I said, God, I want to know you instead of about you. I want you to make me whole. and my life significant? And I don't know how to raise boys in a Christian home. So help. That's one of the best prayers you can ever pray. Jesus, help me. And I definitely didn't know how Jesus could be my best friend. God took me on a journey then. I got help. I went and saw a professional counselor. And he helped me open up my heart to give language to my emotions, to, give, to name what I had gone through, or the traumatic events that I had gone through in the past that formed and shaped my identity and the beliefs I had about myself. And that became a whole process of discovery. I'm going to stop there for a minute, and I'll pick up my story, if that's okay, at the end. Because I want to show you now what I started to go into. I went into a truly grieving process of a marriage that had failed. I felt like a failure. I felt like I was not just shame, I I felt I was shame. So in Matthew 26, 36 through 39... Jesus is going to show us the process of how he grieved. And this is the model in which we are to live as well. Jesus is grieving in the Garden of Gethsemane. This is the night before he is going to die on the cross. And it says, Then Jesus went with them to the olive grove called Gethsemane. And he said, Sit here while I go over there to pray. He took Peter and Zebedee's two sons, James and John, and he became anguished and distressed. He told them, My soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. He went on a little farther and bowed his face to the ground, praying, My father, If it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. There is a lot there, but I'm going to keep this brief for the sake of time. There's three things that I want to share with you that we can glean from this passage. The first one is we've got to acknowledge our pain and grief. Jesus didn't just quote scriptures. He lamented. And Jesus knows the depth of our pain. And we have to lament, we have to get honest. And it says that he was so sorrowful and troubled. And in Mark and Luke's account, they give us a little different um, aspect or viewpoint of what Jesus was talking about. It says that he was greatly distressed and that his sweat became like great drops of blood. He was in so much distress that his capillaries literally burst. Maybe you can relate. He didn't hold back. He felt the depth of his despair. That word sorrow is actually talking about dread. He knew what he was to do, to go to the cross, to take the cup of wrath upon himself for mankind. All of sin and curse and death and sickness was going to be put upon him. But that wasn't even the greatest part. The greatest part was he did not want to be separated from the Father. He felt that deep loss. And he brought his emotions to the Father in prayer, which is dialogue. It's a two-way communication. It's an intimate, personal relationship. And that's what God is inviting us into, not from a head standpoint, but from a heart, from the depth of our being. So in part of this process of you've got to give yourself permission to grieve, And feel all of the feelings. I do uh, spiritual growth coaching and emotional wellness. And one of the things I have found is we don't give ourselves permission to grieve. We have to do this. When you avoid painful thoughts, feelings, and memories, it actually creates more harm than good in the long run. Research has shown that the avoidance increases the likelihood of a host of psychological issues, such as depression, PTSD, anxiety disorders, binge eating, chronic pain, low academic performance, and more. And I think about our kids, you know, going through the last couple of years, because my guys were right at the heart of it. They were seniors. And we have to give space to that. And we've got to know how to get comforted for ourselves so then we can comfort and help other people. And part of giving yourself permission is recognizing it's normal to have a roller coaster of emotions, like a wave that comes crashing over you. Instead of ignoring it or avoiding it or running to something to try and cope, like Netflix or anything like that, I'm going to encourage you to sit with the Lord in it, and part of that is you're going to have to name it. It's normal, especially too, to get triggered out of the blue, and especially for those people that have, a, have lost someone they deeply loved. It can be months or even years later that something will trigger them and they'll have that deep sense of loss or grief. And instead of passing it off or scripturalizing it, sit with it and then go to the Father in prayer and say, Lord, help me, walk me through this. What am I going through right now? And what is it that I'm needing from you? I'm needing a sense of security or safety or a sense of connection because I don't feel that right now. And then allowing him to strengthen you. A great way to do it is also through a journal. During the days when we were separated, I journaled everything because I had to get it out of my head and my heart, and I had to give language to it in a way that was expressive. instead of just talking about it, but journaling is a great way. And then also seeking counsel through a coach or a therapist, whatever you're needing, and to develop skills to move through the process. Because grief, you actually can learn skills to walk through grief. The second thing we learn from Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane is that prayer and support Jesus earnestly prayed to the Father, and he took his time. And in fact, he asked for the cup of his suffering to be removed from him. He asked three different times. So it's okay to ask God to remove something or to help you with something. And he kept praying, and we're to pray without ceasing. Jesus brought his closest friends with him to the garden. We cannot do this alone. Community is so important. You are just hearing about all the things our church has to help you be connected and have community, and I can tell you that is the one thing that I have longed for for so long. Because of our multiple moves, I was always having to start over, getting to know people, and I always was almost a little guarded because I'm like, how long am I going to be here? But I've learned that we can only have intimacy through vulnerability. So we have to know that this is a safe place, and I love this church. It's a fun church. And I've always said church should be fun. That was our first experience with our very first church. We had a lot of fun. I'm going to give you a few practical things that you can do to recognize someone else's journey. And it's okay, first of all, to know not what to say, especially when we're dealing with grief. Um, I've had personally three friends, close friends, that suddenly died in the last year and a half. Literally, I talked to them, and then a couple days later, they were gone. We don't know what to say, but I want to give you a few things that you can say and help you. First of all, just to say, I'm so sorry for your loss. Acknowledge the pain. Acknowledge where they're at. I wish I had the right words. Please know I care and I'm here for you is a great way to say that. You and your loved ones are in my prayers. And then pray for them, please. Don't just say it. One of my pet peeves is when someone says, yeah, I'll pray for you. I made it a choice because of my own journey that if someone had a need right there, I prayed for them. And I didn't care about what words I had. I just wanted to extend the love of God to that person and let them know that I cared. I can't imagine how you feel. Then be quiet and let them tell you about their feelings. Share a memory about the person who's gone. Be empathetic. It's okay for you to show your feelings too. What I love about Jesus is he met people where they were at. Give them a hug. You don't even have to say anything. Just the presence of having a hug, and I think that's what we have longed for by the last two years of not having that physical contact. Notice what they might need. One of the things that we want to say is, well, let me know if you need anything. Well, when you're in that grief process, you're swirling and you don't even know what you need. So be a noticer. Maybe they have pets. Hey, I'd be happy to come walk your dog if you need to, or something. But recognize that person and what they might need, and then offer that. Bring them care packages, or send them a card or a note just to let them know that you are thinking of them. I love getting mail, snail mail, right? Real mail, not just an email or a text, but that hand card is to say that someone thought about, I just got one last week, someone thought about me enough to take the time to do a card, write out my address, and put, my, put a stamp on it. And then actually pray for them. I'm going to give you a helpful resource if you are walking through the loss of a loved one. This is a very great uh, resource. It's called griefshare.org. And Grief Share seminars and support groups are led by people who understand what you are going through and want to help. They have valuable resources to help you recover from your loss and look forward to rebuilding your life. They have recovery and support groups meeting throughout the U.S., Canada, and other countries. And you can find more information at griefshare.org. I had friends that worked there, so that's why I know it's a it's a great resource. All right, the third thing that we see Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane is that he decided to trust God in the process, in God's plan for him. He would say what he wanted, but would always end it not my will, but your will be done. Jesus made a decision to trust God's will, his plan right there in the garden. It wasn't on the cross that he decided. He decided, he purposed in his heart ahead of time. That's what we have to do. We have to purpose in our heart. We will trust God, but in order to trust him, we must know him. We must know his character and his nature and that he is good and that he is so for us because Jesus' closest friends couldn't support him. But it says in Luke, when Luke is given the account of Jesus in the garden, it says in Luke 22:42 42, that an angel was sent to strengthen the Lord. Jesus has given us his Holy Spirit, his comforter, to help us. He's called the helper, the spirit of truth. And he will meet you where you're at and strengthen you. And God's word will strengthen us but we have to trust God's ways and his plans and not to try to figure it out. And that was a big lesson I had to go through because I wanted to know, God, if I do this, then what will happen? And I always say the only way we are going to know in our life what happens is if we watch a Hallmark movie. (laughs) We know the plot, we know how it ends, and we find comfort in that. We need to find comfort that God is so for us He has not left us alone. He has given us his spirit. He's given us his word. He's given us the finished work of Jesus on the cross. His resurrection power to live in us. Christians have a living hope. Jesus has overcome death. He is the resurrection and bring new life to you. Back to my story. I had to go through a process of what I call being undone, of not leaning on my own understanding and trusting my wisdom, lack of thereof, pride. Fear was based on the fact that I didn't know how much God loved me. I didn't know how to be his daughter. I knew how to do the Christian thing. I knew how to look the part, do the part, play the part. But I didn't know the process of surrendering to his love, his loving kindness. He brought me in and I experienced his love in such a tangible way that I did lay down my right to know what would happen next. I learned how to trust and follow him in a process, but it was that heart exploration that had to happen. It couldn't just be memorizing scripture or going to church and serving. It had to be that daily encounter of pouring out my heart to him and allowing him to heal the fractured parts of me. And in that process, I let go. I let go of our marriage, of trying to figure it out, And I experienced in the midst of my sorrow, I experienced the joy of the Lord. What started to happen was he changed me. Fred saw that. He desired that for himself. He started doing his heart work. And that led us on a journey of finally reconciling. We were separated for six months. We had filed for divorce. That was the direction we were going. And once I laid down the right to know what's going to happen next, right, what if, what if, what if, what if, I laid down that right and I said, Jesus, I'm going to follow you. I'm not going to try to understand it, but your word says that you give me a peace that surpasses understanding. I'm going to press into peace. And I learned his grace, because grace and peace go together. We ended up reconciling. We did not get divorced. It was truly a miracle of God, because there was no reason why we should have remained married. But God. In a scripture, I just leaned on the comfort of the scriptures, like when David said, I would have lost heart. Unless I would have known that I would see the goodness of God in the land of the living, I pressed into the goodness and the kindness and the love of the Father for me through what Jesus did for me by taking that cup of suffering. He who knew no sin was made sin so that I would become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, not because of my efforts, my performance, my goodness simply because I trusted his obedience, his goodness. And we reconciled. And now I give hope and healing. And what was so great was I had a friend. During that process, I needed people because we had moved to Grand Rapids, and I didn't know very many people. And when we separated, I literally said, Lord, help, bring me a friend, and bring me community. I'm telling you, within a couple weeks, it miraculously did. I had one friend in particular, Tracy, who walked with me and said, I'm here for you. And she would check in on me and like, Worry, what are you doing? I wanted to run away. I wanted just to watch movies or escape my life. And she would like, no, let's get into the word together. Let's pray. A year later, I got to help her in her own marriage journey. Overcoming challenges. And now I live to share others or share with others the goodness of God and his redemptive love and his resurrection power. And that's the living hope we have of going through grief, our journey of loss. He is the resurrection and the life. We are living proof. Now 30 years of marriage. So whatever you're going through, know that you're going through, but you're not alone. There's growth in the process of grieving and knowing that we have a living hope and that hope will anchor our soul because it's sure and steadfast, and it's Jesus. So I want to encourage you that you are not alone. Get honest with where you're at. How do you feel? What are you going through? Bring others in. You cannot do this alone. I also had a neighborhood Bible study that I joined up with within two weeks. I had the friend, and then I had the neighborhood Bible study, so I was not alone. I had community. So I want to pray with you. or Actually, I want to pray for you. And wherever you're at, Jesus will meet you. And He is the only one that knows your suffering because He suffered to the point that it felt like death and where He sweated blood. He knows your pain, but He wants to lift up your head, like Jeremy spoke about earlier in the worship lift up your head. He wants to heal your broken heart. So as an act of gesture or just a gesture of surrender to his love, I want you just to put out your hands as if you're going to receive something. Father God, I just thank you for Jesus, first of all. That he is the way, the truth, and the life. And he models life. For us, so that we know that we are not alone and that there is a way through. So, Father, we give you our pain, our suffering, our heartache. And in exchange, we take your love, your peace, your comfort. And I just release the very life and peace of Christ into you right now and say, be made whole in Jesus' name. And I thank you, Father, that you don't leave us where we're at, but you're taking us through the valley of the shadow of death, and you're leading us into green pastures. You bring rest for our weary souls. You feed us and nourish us. And so I thank you. And if you don't know Jesus in this way, in this very personal way, this is your invitation to do that right now. Just to say, Lord, I surrender control. I choose you to be the Lord of my life. I open my heart to you to receive you. And I thank you for the gift of salvation. And so, God, we just give you all the honor, all the praise. Friend, I hope you were blessed by today's episode, and I pray it encouraged you or helped you grow in some way. If so, would you stop right now and share this episode with someone else who's been praying for a breakthrough, or they want to grow or need encouragement or empowerment? I would also love it if you would go take 30 seconds to leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. This is how I know you're liking this podcast, and it also helps others become aware that I exist, and they can hear the gospel. You can take a screenshot also of your review and then share it with me on social media. Tag me at Lori, L-O-R-I-K-A-Y Snyder, S-N-Y-D-E-R, Lori K. Snyder, and that way I will know too that this is a blessing to you. Thanks so much, friend.